Hello? Hello, Brian? Yeah, just, just a minute. Hey, listen, sorry, I don't have a lot of time. It's Brian from this, that, and the other. Look, look, okay, I want to tell you everything. I want to tell you the truth about wood. You want to know about the real stuff? You want to know why the earth is hollow and why we're being run by aliens? You want to know about the stuff they're putting in your Gatorade and why you should be eating your dogs and why, and why renewable resources are alive and we're living inside of a hologram. And, and I'll tell you all this, but you have to listen to this, that, and the other. You have to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Don't tell Sam that. Don't tell Brian, what are you doing? Are you making an ad without me? No, listen, I, I gotta go. No. Subscribe to this, that, and the other. You bastard. 9-11 was a lie. What happened to the Yo, what's up dudes, uh, it's your boy Brian and welcome to another episode of What's Hood. I am filling in for FC today who wishes everybody the best and he hopes you guys are still out there smoking, joking, and choking on the truth, homie. Uh, as always, want to give a shout out to Binge On This, the network with the most, the one with the host, uh, and all the, all the shows out there that we got, Roll 420s. Our brand new D&D high fantasy uh, podcast, role-playing podcast, tabletop game podcast. We also have Happy News with Perry Kurtz, uh, This, That, and the Other with Brian and Sam. That's me. Uh, Reading Ronin. Sam of All Trades coming back, brand new revamped feel. And, uh, you know, Olden Times TV, so much more, so much content. Um, available for you guys either on YouTube or on iTunes under Binge on This. So I was trying to figure out something uh, cool to talk about today. And I decided to land on uh, alcohol. Alcohol. La cerveza. Uh, tequila. Everything. Oh, I just Well, not everything, obviously, but... I wanted to, uh, I wanted to take a quick second and just kind of talk about some you know, major, major staples in, in alcohol. Now we know alcohol has been around, uh, since forevers, you know, uh, it's something that has been found time and time again, despite many, many civilizations attempting not to, and, and knowing the dangers of alcohol, uh, but it always seems to, to surface back up. It's almost like it's almost like the myth of Prometheus is not that he brought flames down, but that he fought, you know, fireball down. So at this point, I said to myself, what drinks specifically do I want to focus on? Because, again, there's so many drinks. And when it comes down to it, the process of alcohol is similar all across the board. You're the fermentation. You know, you need yeast. There's a lot of chemical reactions mainly with sugar. Uh, that create the alcohol that we know and love. So I said to myself, why not? Why not focus on beer? Let's just let's take a quick second and focus on the history of beer in Mesoamerica. You know, and again, ancient cultures have been creating fermented corn drinks, specifically. You know, the the Mayans uh, had their own version of it. Uh, well, well before the Spanish even showed up. And we know that European-style beard is generally brewed with barley. So when the two mixed, thanks to Cortez, and uh, they brought those um, fermented alcohol beverages together, um, 
and created something new, essentially the type of beer that we know and love coming out of Mexico. Now, what happens at this point is the industry starts to develop a little bit more after the Mexican War of Independence, which we went over a few episodes back. Uh, and there was another thing that contributed specifically to beer uh, in Mexico, and that was the arrival of German immigrants. So this is where I was like, what? German immigrants. So I was like, oh, shit, bro. Like, I didn't know. So I look into it, right? And what what happens is... You fall onto this fella called uh, Austrian Maximilian I, otherwise known as the monarch of the Second Mexican Empire. He was the younger brother of the Austrian Empire Emperor Franz, Franz Joseph I. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was just this dude. You know, he had a great Navy career. He was pretty fly and shit. And over a long period of time, uh, he ends up being made the emperor of Mexico for for a short period. This has to do with the Mexican War of Independence. It has to do with the money that was owed. Uh, and like I said, you can go back and listen to Cinco de Mayo episode and I go over it and explain exactly what happened for that to happen. And so uh, uh, at that point, Maxim uh, Maximilian uh, shows up in the 19th century. A bunch of German immigrants come with him. They open a whole bunch of breweries, you know, bringing the knowledge together, uh, making making a mix, and they essentially end up by 1918 with 36 brewing companies. Uh, but well, as they get a little further into the 20th and 21st century, there ends up only being two major corporations in Mexico that control the beer: uh, El Grupo Modelo, which is now owned by AB and Bev. And FEMSA, which is owned by Heineken, and they control 90% of the Mexican beer market, which is amazing. You know, that's crazy. 90% of the Mexican beer market. I don't know if you can say the same thing about America as far as their beer is concerned. I didn't look into it, but that is astounding. I can guarantee you that that's probably the same case here. But again, crazy. Even though the Chinese technically own Anheuser. Um... You know, obviously it's, you know, one of the biggest and strongest major exports out of the country, uh, right next to piñatas, which again I covered in a few episodes back. Now, let's talk a little bit exactly about how the beer essentially was made and how it was known back in the day. Now, prior to the Spanish conquest, uh, they used a lot of... Uh, agave plants, which is the major component of tequila, which I'm going to touch on uh, after this beer portion of it. But they used that and they used another plant called maguye. Maguey, maguey. Uh, you know, agave americana. So again, it's it's agave. It's agave plants. A uh, special type of flowering plant that's native to Mexico. If you had to look at it or think of it in any way, it's kind of like little green swords, like thick green swords. They look like they look like aloe, like those long things of aloe, you know, but they're super pointy at the end. Um, they look like Bart Simpson if he had green hair. They look like Goku if Goku had green hair. There we go. That's the best way to do it. So there are obviously a lot of different drinks that were made back then. Uh, you know, you have drinks made the from fermented juices. You have uh, a honey wine that was brewed by the Mayas. Uh, honey wine. Imagine that. That sounds delicious. It was uh, like the bark of a tree fermented in water with honey. Now, you know, I, I'd throw a couple of those back with the homies. 
Um, you know, there was chicha. Chicha is a common Spanish word for a whole bunch of traditional fermented b beverages in the Andes region. It's kind of like um, aguardiente. You know, aguardiente is essentially like a blanket term. It's like spirits is essentially what the term of aguardiente is. It can be made of all different types of stuff, but essentially covers the term spirit. But chicha is another Spanish word for, you know, for that as well. You know, it turns out that w during the Inca Empire which we know was one of the major four Mesoamerican uh, tribes, you know, ancient, ancient cities, uh, women were taught the technique of brewing chicha in feminine schools. Uh, back then when, they, you know, there was a feminine school to teach women things, you know, and, and uh, the brewing of chicha was included in that, which I thought was actually very cool. Um, you know, because they were like, hey, bro, you know, you got you to gotta keep him f drunk, <laughs> you know? Uh, sometimes in some smaller towns, uh, the chicha is actually chewed and moistened in the mouth of the chicha maker. And what happens is a naturally occurring diastase enzyme uh, or diastate, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, in the saliva of the chewer catalyzes the breakdown of the starch in the, in the uh, maize into maltose. And maltose is uh, another one of the components in the chicha. It's essentially what gets you fucked up. So I was like, damn, you know, motherfuckers are just like chewing shit and, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. But uh, still, essentially very cool. Um, at that point, uh, beer brewed with grains such as barley was produced in small quantities by uh, Cortez, uh, which essentially limited the supplies. So what happens at that point is, you know, long story short, uh, they combined the methods uh, because they were competing with the native beverages and so the breweries that were established at that time took those recipes, combining their own recipes. And, you know, in years just before the independence, you know, Mexico beer consumption was simply established, uh, which led to all types of rights over who can produce it, um, you know, who's in charge of it. There's all types of shenanigans. You know how it is when the, when the, when the Lucy gets, when people get drunk on the, on the liquor, you know, everything, everything gets loose, their inhibitions, everything. It's a good time, though. It's a good time. So, you know, we move a little bit forward uh, into the future. Prohibition happens in the United States during the 1920s, you know, which makes the Mexican beer industry skyrocket. Uh, you know, Americans go over the border to drink. They essentially go there and run fucking drinks uh, over the border, which is amazing. I, I would love to see a movie about that. Uh, but eventually you get to the point... Um, you know, in the 21st century, where all of those smaller breweries, 38 of those, 36 beer producers at the time, end up getting consolidated, uh, bought up. You know, Heineken shows up, ganks them. Um, and we end up kind of in the situation we are today, where there's just two major hitters. Um, obviously, beer and um, specifically Bohemia is the oldest traditional pilsner in Mexico. You know, it's considered one of the finest beers in the world. I haven't had a chance to try it myself. Um, it looks good. I mean, I can't knock it for trying it, but it's technically it is one of the longest age products um, that's made in the uh, cerveceria. And it is the only one that uses Lepa Styron hops, whatever the fuck that means. Again, a lot of my information comes from the internet, and I'm just trying to quote it to sound super smart. Looks great. It looks delicious. I would give it a shot if possible um, if it was available. 
again, you have your Tecate, your Sol, your Dos Equis. Most of those ones you, you can try your local bar, Negro Modelo, uh, which goes all the way back to 1926. Sold as a draft back in 1926. Um, you know, Pacifico, Estrella, Superior. Now, a lot of these, you can get the, these easy out here in California without any trouble. Um, one of the things I thought was very interesting was uh, microbreweries. Microbreweries are new. It's not something big in Mexico. Uh, I think I, that probably has a lot to do with all the breweries being owned by two people and most likely those two people being the mob or the cartels and stuff. But they do exist. They're out there. And, um, you know, the, you, you, can, you can look around for it and find probably hipster Mexicans who are wearing... Upside down, no, nah, that'd be Australian hipsters. You could probably find them out there. They're, they're, they probably got better mustache than any hipster you'd ever find here. Um, what was also very cool is the beer, well, not cool, but the beer drinking and ha habits in Mexico are interesting for the most part. What I mean by that is... A lot of the beer is is not sold on tap. You know, it's 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 all cans and bottles. They don't like to do tapped over there. It's very it's it's very interesting. You know, and and as for like Corona and like all that other stuff, you know, or and I say Corona the beer, not the virus. It's typically drank with lime juice. Well, they drink lime juice with almost every beer over there. Um which brings us to the michelada, bro. So, the michelada is this drink cocktail. It's a very famous cocktail. It's generally just light beer, lime juice, salt, sometimes chili powder, sometimes Worcester sauce, soy sauce, tomato juice. Kind of depends on how you get it, but for the most part, juice, salt, light beer. That chili powder, it's all about that. You know what I mean? Uh, the salt is obviously put on the rim. You guys know what a fucking michelada is, but in case you don't, there's a less common version of it that's drank with clamato, which is that tomato juice, which I'm just not about clam tomato juice. I'm not about that life. That shit is whack, bro. I'm not. You can keep clamato, bro. I'm not about that life. But micheladas are fucking fire, dog. Um, obviously, Americans, you know, have have really loved it. They take it, you know, to the extreme, almost like a Bloody Mary. But it is one of those things that I thought was very interesting and very funny to read about because it is something that nobody really knows the origin of. I mean, you could just sit back and just be like, oh, well, these motherfuckers just made it. Like, they made it and they were like, like, you drink enough beer and you'll make anything. And, you know, one out of a million chances you'll actually hit a good combination. Uh, in this particular case, there is the Michelada and they are there are two reasons, supposedly, popular versions of the origin and the etymology of the of the uh, michelada. So one of them has to do with this dude named uh, Michel Esper. All right. So in 1960, Esper begins asking for his beer with a lime, salt, ice, and a straw in a special cup he called Chabela, as if we're like a beer lemonade is what he essentially wanted. And so the members of the club started asking for beers done that way. They were like, can I get a Michel's lemonade? Can I get a Michel lemonade? Oye, oye, can I get one of those uh, Michel lemonades? 
with the name shortening over time to Michelada. So as time went on, they started throwing sauces on there, making their own recipes. All the same recipe. All Most of the recipes have the same thing, ice and, and chili powder in it with lime and salt. That That's the same across the board. It's usually made with a dark beer instead of a light beer. But, you know, it kind of, it, again, in America, it kind of changed. They like to do their shit with, you know, you know Anheuser, but the Budweiser Chalada, Bud Light Chalada, fucking weirdos. Um, another etymology states that Michelada is a portmanteau of Michelada. A portmanteau, just to break that down, is a linguistic blend of words in which parts of multiple words or their phonemes are combined into a new word such as smog, coined by blending smoke and fog, or motel from motor and hotel. Oh, there you go, a little bit of knowledge. The word chela is a popular term for a beer in Mexico. When you ask for a chela, you're asking for a cold beer. Oye, echamela, chela. Oye, deme una chela. You're asking for a cold beer. Therefore, the phrase michela helada, michelada, means my ice cold beer. Interesting, interesting stuff. Now let's move on to the 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 harder the harder hitting stuff in uh, Mexico. One of the major, most recognizable uh, liquors in Mexico is tequila. Now, tequila uh, is distilled from the blue agave plant, which is primarily in the area surrounding the city of Tequila in Guadalajara, uh, out in Mexico, the central western Mexico state of Jalisco. Apparently, the red volcanic soil in the region of Tequila are well-suited to growing the blue agave. That's why over 300 million of the plants are harvested there each year. And that's why they kind of had to name the city after it, you know. If they had, if they had grown palm trees, they would have called it palms. You know, like we do out here in California. So, Mexican law states that tequila can only be produced in the state of Jalisco. Jalisco. Look at me butchering the fucking language. Uh, tequila is recognized as a Mexican designation of origin, product, in more than 40 countries. Damn, so tequila can only be made in Mexico? That's crazy. It is protected through NAFTA in Canada and the United States through bilateral agreements with the individual countries such as Japan and Israel. Wow. That's crazy. Wow, that's cool. Look at that. We're all learning something. That's pretty fucking baller. So, uh, tequila was first produced in the 16th century, like I said, near tequila. It was this uh, fermented beverage which they had created from the agave plant, also known as pluque, which was consumed in pre-Columbian central Mexico before European contact. So when the Spanish conquistadores ran out of their own brandy, they began to distill the agave to produce one of North America's first indigenous dispil, distilled spirits. Around 1600, Don Pedro Sanchez de Tagle, the Marquis of Altamira, began mass-producing tequila at the first factory in the territory of modern-day Jalisco. God damn it, Jalisco. God damn it, I'm such a monster. It starts getting bigger, starts getting better. In a move to take ownership of the term tequila, the Mexican government declared the term as its intellectual property in 1974. 
opening a new door of business opportunity and international gain for the country of Mexico as a whole. That's absolutely baller. Um, I, again, did not know about that. Although some tequilas have remained as family-owned brands, most well-known tequila brands are owned by large multinational corporations. As opposed to beer, over 100 distilleries make over 900 brands of tequila in Mexico, and over 200 brand names have been registered. Due to this, each bottle of tequila contains a serial number depicting which distillery the tequila was produced. Because only so many distilleries are used, multiple brands of tequila come from the same location. That's such a gangster move. Like, if rednecks could do that with moonshine, I bet your ass they would. But that's so smart for them to have done that ahead of time. That's the George Lucas move of of liquor. <laughs> they were like, you know what? We're just going to make sure we own everything. And everybody was like, what do you mean everything? And they were like, Everything! A one-liter bottle of limited-edition premium tequila was sold for $225,000 in July 2006 in Tequila Jalisco. God damn it! In Tequila Jalisco by the company Tequila Le 925. It was a two-kilo display of platinum and gold tequila. The manufacturer received a certificate from the Guinness World Book of Records for the most expensive bottle of tequila spirits ever sold. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm not about tequila. I don't like it. I find that it's a little too strong. kind of leads to trouble. I'm a big fan of drinking, but I'm just not that good at it. So, anytime anybody says, let's get tequila shots going on, let's start doing that. I'm automatically like, nah, I'm not about this life. Because after reading a little bit more about this, I can confirm that if the conquistadores were like, yo, we're out of brandy, let's get some of this tequila shit going on, they got that shit into their system, and then they started running around and fucking shit up, that should be the perfect example and warning as to why you shouldn't do this. In June 2013, the ban on importation of premium 100% blue agave tequila into China was lifted following a state visit to Mexico by President of China. It's pretty cool. He came to China. Uh, they got him fucked up. And then they started sending that shit to Chinese markets, homie. Uh, on August 30th, 2013, the first 70,380 bottles of premium tequila from 10 brands arrived in Shanghai. The arrival happened during an event held at the House of Roosevelt, a well-known club located on the Bund, an area with a long tradition of importing alcoholic beverages into China. Very, very cool. In 2018, the Mexican government approved a proposal to celebrate the third Saturday of March's National Tequila Day. So there you go. There you have it. A little bit of information on tequila and its effects and its overall creation in Mexico and not just tequila and if uh, hold on real quick what I do want to touch on before I end the episode the difference between silver or white tequila so if silver or white tequila is the desired final product it's all about the distillation in the final process Rested, or reposado, or aged, añejo, tequila must be matured in a 200-liter white oak barrel for at least two months for the former and 12 months for the latter. 
There are, however, more than 50 different companies producing tequila in Mexican province of Jalisco with different maturation times, according to the variety of tequila and desired quality of the final product. All companies producing tequila have their aging process regulated and fiscalized by the Mexican government. Hmm. Wild. And there you go, homie. Uh, the tequila worm misconception, it, it isn't really weird. Um, there are only certain places or, you know, or certain mezclas, which are essentially, you know, the other terms for other alcohols, are ever sold with gusanos in them, which are worms. They're only, that's just so you can get the fucking tourists. It's not traditionally done in there. If you did find a worm, you know, a larva in the agave plant while you were making tequila, it probably means that the plant itself has an infestation. You know, it's a lower product. Uh, but unfortunately, everybody still thinks, you know, oh, you know, you find a tequila, you know, a worm in the tequila, that's what's supposed to happen. It just means it's extra, extra better, uh, which is not the case. So, you know, uh, you, you do a little salt, a little lime here in America. They usually drink it straight over there in Mexico because they're bad motherfuckers. Uh, it doesn't state on the label that it's manufactured 100% from blue agave. Or if it doesn't say on the label that it is manufactured from 100% blue agave, which means no sugar added, then by default that tequila is a mixto. Uh, manufactured from at least 51% blue agave. Uh, so you you know always look out for that. You want 100% blue agave tequila. It's the only thing that you really, really want to deal with. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Once again, uh, Mexico owns all of the essential rights to tequila. Um, once it's imported to Canada for sale, though, it is legal for tequila to be diluted with bottled or purified water to adjust it to the desired strength and then resold. Because I guess the Canadians, they're not down for that shit. Um, similar to Canada, the U.S. law says that tequila must be manufactured in Mexico in compliance with the laws of Mexico regulating the manufacturing of tequila. However, tequila cannot be sold in the U.S. at under 40% of alcohol concentrate. So they need that strong, strong shit. And, uh, well, shit, you know, you got to give them to her for that. Um, and that's it. You know, that is... Uh, Hold on real quick. One of the other things that are, I'm looking through my notes just to see if there was any other cool cool things. I mean, there's a little bit, you know, Kahlua I found out is a Mexican uh, drink. Uh, it is essentially what Kahlua means is the house of the Alqua people in the Veracruz Natua language spoken before the Spanish conquest. Uh, I don't know anything about that, but I saw that in Wikipedia. It, it was essentially created around 1936. Uh was has been made since then it is you know just a coffee flavored liqueur it's like it's like rum and sh sugar and coffee you know it's all right but it's really not that you know that's like high school chick drinks but so there you go guys just a little bit of knowledge and information on beer and uh and tequila as it as it pertains in mexico uh there's a lot of other drinks in mesoamerica that you know, a lot of our ancestors drank made pretty much from the same thing into different methods. You know, in Colombia, Aguardiente is essentially what a lot of Colombians drink. And like I said, that's made from all types of shit, you know, all types of fruit and all types of sugar cane, primarily sugar because they need it for the fermentation process. I don't brew beer. I don't understand how that works. Maybe we'll go over another episode on the actual process of beer. But it is very interesting to see, one, that beer is 
pretty much the main staple out there in Mexico. And came, um, our version of beer came from, you know, Cortez and the introduction of the Spanish, unwillingly. And that beer is owned by pretty much two companies. That's it, baby. They got the monopoly on that beer out there. It's like the cartels. And it's interesting to find out that all tequila has to be produced in Mexico. That's not something that I wanted to assume, but it is something very interesting for me to learn. So there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed uh, this quick little episode of What's Hood. I hope you guys are doing okay during the quarantine. We are doing okay on our side. We'd like for you guys to take a second and follow us on YouTube at Binge On This. You'll see Brian, me, myself, and Sam. Our faces right there at the very front along with our logo. If you want to catch up on any of our episodes, any clips, you know, any of the other shows available on YouTube, uh, your best bet is to subscribe and just take a quick Zoom look through those. Uh, Not through Zoom, but take a quick look through those. There's plenty of content over there, especially during the quarantine, for you to, you know, kind of fill your time. Even though, you know, during quarantine, it's been, you know, I haven't really been listening to any podcasts. I've been doing any of my normal stuff just because we've been so out of whack. So it's understandable if you haven't really been on your podcast game as much as you have been beforehand. But if you love me and you love the show and you like the content that's coming out of it, you're only going to help us more by subscribing to the YouTube. And make sure that you guys follow the rest of the great shows that we have available on the network. Uh, That is uh, the Binge on This channel. That is Binge on This channel on Instagram. It's binge on this on YouTube. Make sure to follow this, that, and the other. What's Hood? Happy Days with Barry Kurtz. Reading Ronin. Sam of All Trades. Our brand new Dungeons and Dragons show, Roll 420s. High fantasy role playing tabletop game. Not made for your mama. And finally, Olden Times TV. Available on YouTube. And that is all from me to you guys. I send all of my love. And we will see you at the next light. <laughs>